It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another Monday mailbag edition of CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. The Blue Jackets off today and back in action tomorrow when they take on the Chicago Blackhawks at Nationwide Arena, and the Blue Jackets go into that game having snapped a three-game losing skid. They did that with a victory over the New Jersey Devils at Nationwide Arena on Saturday night. They took the back half of that home-and-home series with New Jersey 4-3. They get the win, and they get the all-important two points that were needed to get back into a tie with New Jersey in the Metropolitan Division standings. Lots to talk about today, including the questions that you have sent to me But I'm sitting down to do this right after I just watched the season finale, the regular season finale in the National Football League. Amazing to me. Amazing. Now, there were a lot of people that were rooting for the Raiders and the Chargers to tie because had they ended in a tie, they would have gone to the playoffs. Both of them would have gone to the playoffs. If they didn't end in a tie, the team that won was going to the playoffs, the team that lost was out, and the team that was waiting to see the final result of that game were the Pittsburgh Steelers, which there are probably many of you that were hoping that the Steelers would be still on the outside looking in and they were close to being that team. Listen, I full disclosure, I'm a Steelers fan, hate me or not. I mean, it's just a fact. That's where I grew up. That's who I am. And I wanted them to be in. Although I don't know why, because I think it's going to be really a moot point when they play in Kansas City next week. They just played there two weeks ago and it was ugly. And I don't expect it to get better uh, by next week. But anyway, that's not the point. Uh, the point is, a lot of people wanted that game to end in a tie. I was not one of those people, but I could not believe how close it came to ending in a tie. The drama that was drug out past the midnight hour on the East Coast watching that game. And even as it was winding down, you know, I'm watching it and uh, Chris Collinsworth is saying, who's going to call a timeout here? Nobody's going to call a timeout. And for some reason, the Chargers did. They called the timeout, and the Raiders kind of changed their mindset, it seemed, after that timeout. And then the Raiders handed the ball off, and they got four yards, and they got a first down. They got a little bit more than four yards, and they got a first down that uh, changed everything, and then they went on, and, and they kicked the field goal. The reason I'm bringing that up is it's just the nature of sports. You know, how many times have we talked in the past, and it has been really in the distant past now, and maybe we have this conversation before this year's over or not, You know, it's very easy to say, well, don't win games. Just lose games. Get a better draft pick. If you're not going to be in the playoffs, why don't you just try to be as terrible as you possibly can? And that is not the nature of the athlete. It's just not. The Las Vegas Raiders in that game, they're going down the field. And again, I have no idea why the Chargers called their timeout. I don't. They stopped the clock. They let the Raiders regroup. But Derek Carr was interviewed after the game. And he said that people are saying, just tie. My mindset coming here today was to win the game. Win the game. The Raiders were playing at home. And even though their fans would have been satisfied with making the playoffs had they not won the game, you're still playing at home. Who tries to play for a tie at home? Once you get close to field goal range and then once you get into field goal range, you're playing to win, right? I am. They did. And that's exactly what happened. But again, it is the mindset of the athlete. 
And I'm bringing it up now because who knows what's going to happen with this season between now and the end. And maybe we'll get to a point later on where you'll say, just try not to win. And we've been through this before. We have watched this team before have drafts that had the likes of Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews that you knew were going to go first overall. And they had a chance. They had a chance to be bad enough to be in the running to get one of those guys. And they just couldn't do it. They'd go on a streak in March when it didn't matter for their own playoff hopes and it would damage the draft position. Why did they do that? Why does that happen? It is the athlete's mindset. And be honest, if you're drafting somebody or if you're trading for somebody or if you're signing somebody as a free agent, do you want their mindset to be, ah, we could tie. We don't necessarily have to win. Ah, we can lose games. We can get a better draft pick. I mean, you know, it's it's easy to see both sides. It's easy to see why you would want them to do that, but the fact of the matter is the athlete's mindset, the competitor's mindset is they want to win. Every day you go out there, no matter what game it is, you want to win. You're striving to win. And I'm thankful the Raiders won that game. They will now move on to Cincinnati and play against the Bengals. They've got a short week. they got to play on Saturday. You Bengals fans probably feel pretty good about that, and that's good. But, um, you know, really, I'm glad they won. I'm glad they went for the kill when they had the opportunity because you know, there were some people that wanted it to end in a tie just so they could say, you know, the NFL screwed this up. Well, how would you know? Like, who's making the schedule in, uh, in the offseason? Or, or who's even changing the schedule when there are COVID outbreaks and saying, you know what? we got to be careful here. It could come down to the last day of the year, and it could be that there are two teams playing against each other that if they end up in a tie, they'll both wind up in the playoffs, and uh, somebody else won't. doesn't happen. But it was amazing. It was amazing to watch it play out. It was amazing to watch the Chargers come all the way back in the fourth quarter, for, uh, force the overtime, then go ahead and tie the game in the overtime with a field goal. It, it was something else. So, um, yeah, that was fun to watch. And that was, you know, Sundays are kind of cool during – the early hockey season, because when you have the Sunday off, you get a chance to sit down and watch the NFL and, you know, the players that the, the hockey players do it because a lot of them have fantasy teams and uh, most everybody enjoys football. And so, it, and it's a, you know, it's a, a get together thing. It's a thing to talk about the whole nine yards. So it's kind of neat in the early part of the season when you get those Sundays off. And we had a couple of them on the road, which was nice as well, when you could still get out of the hotel and, you know, get sit, go somewhere and sit down and watch a bunch of games at one time. So, um, yeah, it was it was something. So it was, a, it was a day off, but it was a day off with uh, some excitement that kind of lasted throughout the entire day. But now it is time to go back to work. And for me, it's time to get back to hockey here and answer your questions, but not until I tell you, about the fine folks over at Telhio Credit Union who have been a part of the fabric of this community for a long, 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 long time. And it's because they do so many things. It's because they take care of their customers so well. They are a credit union. They're not a regular bank. And maybe one of the questions that you have is, why should I join a credit union? I can just go to the bank. I can do my stuff. Well, I can answer that question for you because at this particular credit union, they have a lot of different perks that you're not going to get at your regular bank. And they have something as simple as a personal checking account, and they have complex things as uh, business loans for you. They've got it all. And they have different levels of everything that you're looking for. And as I said, there are some different perks 
in each and every one of those types of accounts or services that you need that will give you a little bit of an edge. You go and look at it. See if there is an edge for you. See if there's something that you like. See if there's something that you're not getting now that you're going to get through to Ohio Credit Union. Go to their website at tellohio.org. Surf around. Click on the tabs. If it's during business hours and you can't find what you're looking for, there's a live chat option on the right-hand side of the screen. Click on it, and somebody will pop up on your screen and help you to navigate through. Tell Ohio Credit Union is open to everyone in central and southwestern Ohio. They are federally insured by NCUA. All right, let's get to the Blue Jackets questions today. And I am going to start with, uh, is this um, Nikki or Nike? I'm not sure. N-I-K-K-E. Um, I'll go Nikki if it's wrong. If it's wrong, just let me know, and I'll fix it for the next time. Okay, here it is. Here's the question. Or it, Yeah, this is a question. I think it's pretty weird. Uh, I think this is a pretty weird stat this season, it says. Do you have any idea what's the reason for this? And there's a, a full list of players and listed are the number of goals they have on the year, or, or first of all, it's the number of goals they have against the Blue Jackets, and then the number of goals that they have so far this year. And again, it's a long list, and what these are are low numbers, case in point. Anton Strawman has two goals total. One of them is against the Blue Jackets. Adam Ernie has three goals total. One of them is against the Blue Jackets. Jordan Stahl, believe it or not, two goals, one of them against the Blue Jackets. Garnett Hathaway from... Uh, the Washington Capitals has seven goals on the year. Three of them have come against the Blue Jackets. Ryan Dezingle has two, one against the Blue Jackets. You get the idea, okay? Now, players that have very low total of goals overall, but happen to have at least one of those against the Blue Jackets. It's really, to be honest with you, it's really just a crapshoot, and it is, it, it's so frustrating at times. I remember when I was in the American Hockey League and Ross Yates was our assistant coach and then our head coach uh, before I left there. In Syracuse, it used to drive him nuts when players would get their first goal of the year against his team. And again, it's just one of those things. Now, if it's the first five games of the year and somebody's getting their first goal, that's one thing. But when you're 20, 25 games in and somebody's getting their first goal, it drives you crazy because you're looking at the the stat sheet and you're thinking, okay, uh, this guy's probably going to get to us and this guy's going to get to us and this guy, let's take care of these guys. This guy's not going to hurt us and then he does. Um, it's, it's just, and sometimes it's because of that. Sometimes you don't give certain players the credit that they deserve. You don't, uh, you don't cover them. You don't pick them up. You don't see them as, as big of a threat as somebody else. Or sometimes you, you've got an Austin Matthews or somebody out there on the ice and, and you're trying to double cover that person. Look with uh, Washington, you know, you got Ovechkin on the ice, uh, or you have uh, Nicholas Backstrom or you got both of them and maybe, Hathaway slips out there in a line change and nobody's thinking about this guy and all of a sudden, boom, he's got a goal. Just happens. And sometimes they're just on that night. Sometimes you have them covered, you're defending them, and they just beat you because everybody does at some point in time. Everybody's going to beat somebody at some point in time. So um, it's just the the nature of the beast, I guess, is how I can put it to you. It is uh, just the, the luck of the draw or the bad luck of the draw in this case when it comes to those numbers. Again, players that have maybe two or three goals on the year, but at least one of those happens to be against your team. Frustrating. Frustrating for a coach, there's no doubt. And for players, too, especially when they know. They're like, well, we shouldn't have let that guy beat us. You know, this guy I can see, that guy. So it's frustrating, but it happens. It happens all the time. Jody says, I've got a random question for you. I remember seeing Brandon Dubinsky had announced his retirement on social media. 
Did I miss the Blue Jackets organization confirming it as well? Well, they don't need to, Jody. He's a player that is not under contract, so when he decides that he is done, then he can go ahead and make that announcement and file his paperwork with uh, you know, the league and the Players Association or whatever they have to do to um, you know, legally make that the case. But the organization doesn't have to do that, so there's so that's you know, that's why. That that just explains it why. So he is uh, he is a free agent player. And if uh, he retires and he announces it, then so be it. He's not property of the Columbus Blue Jackets anymore. So that's why uh, that situation exists. David C. says, what's up with Max Domi? I think he has played poorly recently, including a terrible game on Saturday night. Uh, After the game, Brad Larson was agitated about a quote-unquote passenger on the second goal. I think it was Domi. He doesn't seem engaged. How do we get him dialed in again? You know, Max is um, a little bit of a, an enigma to me as well. Uh, that means a puzzle. You know what I mean? It's kind of He's a head-scratcher because he is um, – I, I, I agree with you. It, you know, last year I watched him, but I didn't really see him live all the time, right? The road games we were calling off a monitor. Uh, the home games, you got to see him, but – you expect so much out of him because he has done so much and he has uh, such upside and such ability. But in all fairness, yeah, there are games that he looks terrific. There are games that he kind of almost takes over. Go go back to that game in Seattle a couple of weeks ago. I mean, he was all over the place and he was at the front of the net and he gets a couple of goals in that game and, and he looks fantastic. And then there are other games where he struggles and you don't really see him throughout much of the game. And and that happens to players, but you know when you are, when your profile is elevated a little bit, you just tend to expect more out of those people. I don't know if Brad Larson was talking about him on that second goal on Saturday night or not, but um, you know it's it's uh, yeah, it's a little bit puzzling, isn't it? And I'm sure if you ask Max, it's frustrating for him too. I'm, he wants to be the best that he can be every single night. There's no doubt about that. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it has to do with uh, who you're playing with, maybe. You know, it seemed like he and Jack Roslevic had a pretty good thing going, and, and now they're not playing together. And and that is not even necessarily because that they went stale, and maybe that could be the case. Uh, maybe they thought that those two uh, needed to be split up, or maybe you just needed to make changes elsewhere, and they happened to become the victim of the other changes. So a lot of things go on, quite honestly. But again, I think for a guy like Max, um, it's easy to feel like this because you expect him to be so good uh, day in and day out, and he's still looking for some consistency right now. And he's had it at points, and he's looked really good when he's had it. And then there are other games where he hasn't been able to find it. And he's not the only one on that list. He's not the only one on that list. And he's not the only high-profile guy on that list either. Let's be honest about that. So, you know, it's easy to point the finger and – uh, pick on Max Domi, but you know there there are guys right there that should be standing alongside him, getting the finger pointed at them too on certain nights as well. So it is, uh, but I I do understand it though, and I and I think we have, like I said, I think we have a lot of expectation for him because of what he's done in the past, because of the still the skill level that he has, and um, you know from the time he came here, it was exciting. You, you had to lose a guy like Josh Anderson, who's a big power forward. 
and that's not ideal, but you knew you were getting a guy that's got skill and he plays with an edge and and he supposedly played the center position, which we haven't seen a lot out of because when he came here, he got the opportunity to do that. And last year under John Tortorella, it was determined that he wasn't uh, playing uh, a two-way game well enough to play center. And they put him on the wing, and Brad Larson has continued to play him on the wing. But again, yeah, some days he looks great, and some days uh, he looks like he's trying to find it. So, and, and uh, again, he's not the only guy on that list. Mike the Fireman says, since we are not cup contenders this year, do we trade a goalie before the deadline? And if so, what for? If so, what for? That says a lot, Mike. And I, I, Listen, let's just break this thing down right to the bare bones as it is right now, okay? Um, I noticed that Jean-Francois Barube got put back on the uh, taxi squad yesterday. So he's back on the taxi squad. Does that mean that Elvis Merzlikens is healthy again? I know Hel- uh, Elvis was skating before practice the other day. Is he healthy and ready to go again? Yeah, maybe. I That would be, the indicator to me would be, yeah. Yeah, he is. Um, but we'll wait and see. Wait and see at practice today and see if that's the case. But there's been so much talk about trading a goalie here. And I'm just going to give you my perspective and my opinion on this. And maybe I'm totally off base, but I just want you to hear me out. And then you can make your decision whether I'm out of my mind or I might have something here, okay? We've talked about trading a goalie basically for two seasons. And they haven't done it yet. Now, Jonas Corposalo coming into camp was not ready to go. He had a bit of an injury. He got off to a slow start in camp. And while he was getting himself in playing shape, Elvis, to his credit, took over, got all the reps, uh, made the most of it. And when the season started, there was no question about it that Elvis was the go-to guy. And he earned the spot of being the go-to guy, and he has you know, stayed with that. I mean, when you look at his full body of work, there have been a couple of hiccups along the way, and you know, some just slight and some bigger than others. But the fact of the matter is he earned the starting spot. And so Corposalo, finally, when he did get healthy, then he had to wait and had to wait for his opportunities. Unfortunately for him, when he got those opportunities, the team didn't play as well as they did in other games, or he got those games on the road where we all know the Blue Jackets don't play on the road like they do at home. So he uh, had bad luck in that way and wasn't getting, you know, he wasn't getting the wins. And you don't always have to have the wins, but, you know, you want to, you want uh, your team in front of you to, to be there to support you and make sure you give up as few goals as possible. You know, you don't want to get lit up. And he's had bad luck in that regard, where some of the games that he's played in are some of the, um, the worst defensive games team-wise that they have played. And then he gets into the situation where, you know, he gets sick and it's not COVID. And then all of a sudden he has COVID and, and that keeps him out and all that stuff's going on. And, and he's banged up a little bit uh, as well in that time frame. So, you know, he's struggling to, to fight through it. He's struggling to be a hundred percent throughout the course of the year. And, um, so he's dealing with that. Now, in the meantime, Elvis, what was it, a week ago, a week and a half ago, he gets hurt and hasn't been dressing for the past couple of games. So here is this is a big, long-winded way, Mike, of answering your question about trading a goalie. Um, how do you do it? 
How do you do it? And if you do now, what is the value of because we've always said it was it would be Corpus Allo, right? We we came to that determination, I think, especially earlier this year with the way that Elvis was playing and Elvis has new contract in hand, that it was going to be Corpus Allo that would be traded to another team. And now when you look at the body of work, like if you come out of that uh, that playoff in the bubble when he comes in to beat Toronto, when he plays – against Tampa and they lose the series, but he played out of his mind in that five overtime game and, and he played well in the series where his value was then as compared to where his value is now. It is to me, it's night and day, you know, he, he has struggled. I don't think you're going to get as much for him now as you would have maybe even at the beginning of the year, you know, even when he did get healthy and was playing early in the year, maybe there I. And again, I'm not a GM. I've said this a million times on this show, and I know that those of you that have been here, you, you've you heard me say it, and I haven't changed my mind. I'm not a general manager. I wouldn't want to be one, but I would have to think the value has dropped on trading one of those guys. You know, <laughs> technically, you're going to hate to hear this. You're, I know that many of you will hate to hear this, but, you know, the Elvis contract is tradable. I mean, at the $5 bucks a year that he's going to get paid, I mean, that's a tradable contract. Does he have more upside? I think some other teams think about that, and I'm not saying that's what they're going to do. I'm just answering the question here. The, the question says, do we trade a goalie? It doesn't say which one. So, you know, who has more upside in a trade? But then again, let's continue to play devil's advocate. Elvis has a new contract. Corpus Allo's on an expiring contract. Um, they, you know, haven't made any moves to sign him. So even if you were going to move Elvis, would – Corpus Allo re-sign with you. I don't know. And and do you want to go in that direction? I'm obviously not. So I just I don't know how it's all going to play out. I mean, maybe you do move Corpus Allo before the year is over. Um, maybe you have to I don't know, maybe he gets hot here. That that save that he made uh on Saturday night against the Devils is one of the best saves he's made in his career since he's been here when he uh you know, he had a wide open net to his left and he pushed off his right skate and he made a fantastic save. It saved the game. Saved the game. No doubt about it. Um, so, you know, maybe he still has more worth than I'm giving him credit for. And maybe as it gets closer to the playoffs, there will be a team or maybe a team will get a goalie hurt and they'll have to make a desperation move. Uh, or maybe there's a team going into the playoffs that just wants to beef up that position and who knows. And, and you might get more for him. And maybe that's why right now you just hold him until – that time comes and, and see what you can get when that time comes around. But let me ask you this question while we're on the subject. Uh, I know he got hurt last week, but I don't know if you feel this way or not, but when I watch Daniil Tarasov play, I can't help but think that we're looking into the future as to who's going to be the guy in net for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I'm not talking about long-term future. I'm talking about, and again, whatever the injury is that he has and whatever the um, rehab result of that injury is, notwithstanding, I, you know, that looks to me more like near future that this guy is, is going to be the guy. And this has been said for years. I, I believe I've said it before here. If I haven't said it on the show before, then I don't know what's wrong with me. But, you know, I'd been told two different times over the years – 
by two different people that Tarasov was the best of the trio. And what we saw in the preseason, what we've seen in the small sample size in uh, the National Hockey League this year, I have to believe that. I, you know, Not only was I told that, now I've seen it with my own eyes, and it looks like that is the case. And I firmly believe, had he not gotten injured in that game against Carolina, even though the Blue Jackets were being badly outplayed in that game, I believe he would have won it. I believe that he was that locked in that day on New Year's Day. I, I believe he was that locked in that he was going to get a win on home ice in the first game that he played at Nationwide Arena. We'll never know because he had to leave after two periods, and then the bottom fell out of that whole thing anyway. But I just thought he was locked in, and, um, you know, he looks to be the future. He looks to be the future. It, and as I said, I'm not talking about years future, you know, <laughs> maybe, I don't know, maybe next year at some point. We'll have to see how it goes. But uh, but to get back to it, do you trade a goalie before the deadline? I think it depends uh, what you're going to get. And I, I think you hope that somebody gets desperate and somebody needs somebody and and maybe the uh, the value will go back up by then. But for a guy that doesn't want to be a GM, I just spent a long time talking about that, didn't I? Probably too long, but anyway. Uh, Terry McKean-Jones says, Giving that Corpusalo isn't quite at 100% yet, your thoughts on the Blue Jackets not starting Barube in net for one of the New Jersey Devil games? It's not like JF would have been making his NHL debut. Is a less than 100% Corpusalo better than a 100% Jean-Francois? And this goes on to say, he was better than Tarasov in Cleveland, by the way. Okay, in all fairness to that, and I'm not going to argue that because I know what the numbers say, and, you know, Daniil was making the adjustment to the American Hockey League and still coming over from Europe and adjusting to the ice and the whole nine yards. Everything we talked about with Elvis a couple of years ago, he was going through. He was doing it in the American Hockey League. And, yes, Tarasov struggled at the beginning, but his worst outings were early on, and then he got his footing and I don't know, and I guess I would have to talk to somebody in Cleveland, but I'm going – actually, I did. When Tarasov came here, I did talk to somebody. And I was told that at that time he was the better of the two because he had started to – he had made the adjustments and he was starting to take over in that league. That's what I was told, and I believe it. Based on what I saw when he came and he played, I believe that wholeheartedly. And that is not to put a knock on Jean-Francois Berube. That's not what I'm trying to do. But to go back to your question here – you know, the last time that he played in an NHL game was 2018. This is 2022. Do I have to do the math for you? Not quite four seasons, okay, but, you know, it's been a long time. And that's not to say that you can't give him a chance, but when, uh, you know, Corpus followed the game, I think the game that, uh, that he came in and played where you could make the argument that he wasn't 100% and maybe shouldn't have played in that game is the Tampa game. I think he's gotten better. Um, the way the schedule worked out, he could play all three of those games. And again, let's go back to the previous thing here too. I mean, if you do want to trade him, if that is part of the plan, he's got to play. He's got to play. And you'll say, well, even if he's not a hundred percent, is that going to help? Well, you know, he didn't play badly in New Jersey. He gave up two goals. The third one was an empty net goal. The second one was a power play goal. The first one was Thomas Tatar standing right alone in the slot with nobody around him, able to make a couple of moves and beat him. So that wasn't a bad start. Uh, the start the other night, it's a good start. 
So the Tampa one was the one where maybe you would consider putting another guy in there, but do you consider taking Barube, who hasn't played in the league since 2018, and putting him in against the back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champions, especially when Corpus has had so much success against them in the last couple of years? No. No, you don't. So I think that's why that all worked out the way that it did. And again, if you want to move somebody, they got to be playing. You can't you can't totally go on past history. You got to show me that he's healthy. You got to show me that he's uh, still on top of his game. All of that stuff. So when you put it all together, Terry, I'm not surprised that Corpusalo went in every single one of those games. Not surprised one bit. So there you have it. So that is your Monday mailbag for today. Great questions again, as always. I do like that, and I, you know I love to delve into the goalie stuff. You know I love to break that stuff down here and there. Oh, no, you know what? There is another question here. I totally forgot about this. Where the heck is this thing? Here. I didn't scroll up far enough because I had uh, – who made the suggestion there uh, last week about um, about doing something that's a little bit of Hockey 101 on each and every show and I thought that that was a good idea was that Greg that was Greg that did that I believe made that suggestion well here's a question that kind of leads into that again this one is from Anthony Moore sorry Anthony I did almost forget I didn't scroll up high uh, far enough on my screen here Anthony's question is why do we sometimes see players drop their sticks and not pick them up they will play without a stick until the end of the shift why not just pick up the stick and get a new or get a new one from the bench immediately all right Anthony there's a couple of things with that um, let's just say the stick is fully intact, but maybe you drop it and the puck is around you and you just, you can't, you're going to be putting yourself and your team in jeopardy if you take that second to reach down and pick up that stick. So you just have to play without it. And, uh, you know, maybe it gets knocked away from you and you can't run over there and pick it up wherever it is. All of that, those are possibilities. And that is that the stick is still intact it somehow gets knocked out of your hands. Again, maybe all of the action is right around you. If you turn and bend over to pick up that stick, that somebody's going to take advantage. Maybe it gets knocked away. You don't have time to chase it and go pick it back up. Now, the other thing, and this is much more prevalent, is the stick is actually broken. And you cannot pick it up and play with a broken stick lest you will get a penalty called against you. So, and a lot of times those sticks, you can't tell from the stands that they're broken. Now, they don't always snap in half, right, where the, the blade goes one way and the shaft is left in your hands and you have to toss it aside. It's not always like that. It happens a lot. But sometimes the puck will hit the shaft of that stick. It'll crack it. The player knows that it's broken. The officials know that it's broken. The coaches on the other bench know that it's broken. So you've got to drop it immediately. And if you're not near the bench, if the play is on the other side of the ice, then you've got to stay there. And you've got to try to do what you can do. Now, many times you will see if that happens to a defenseman, a forward will hand their stick to a defenseman because it is more important that the defenseman have a stick in hand. And if you're a defenseman who breaks a stick and a forward hands you one, you hope that you shoot the same way that they do. That makes it a lot easier. I mean, if you're a left-handed shot, you would like to get a stick from a forward that is a left-handed shot, which on this team there are a lot of those, so you have a pretty good chance. You don't want to get a guy who's a right-handed shot and then, you know, you the sticks all you're all messed up. So um <laughs> so the defensemen need to have the sticks more than the forwards need to have the sticks. Forwards can go out and challenge and they can block shots and they can 
try to use their skates to kick the puck outside the blue line and all that stuff. But that's why you see it sometimes. I mean, the, those are the factors. Uh, if that stick happens to be broken, or maybe they don't even know. And you don't have time to pick it up and try to flex it and see if it is broken. So you just leave it there. And the next time you get the opportunity to go to the bench, you go to the bench. If you're close to the bench in the middle of that shift and you can go get it without there being any harm, then you go get it. If you're not, you just let it go and you do the best you can without a stick in your hand. So, Anthony, I hope that 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 answers the question for you as to why sometimes players will lose their sticks and not make any attempt to pick them up. There is a reason. There is a method to the madness. They are processing it in their heads. I promise you when all of that happens. So that's exactly why. Thanks for that question. I love that. I, I love that, um, that little hockey one one type of, uh, lesson, I guess, for lack of a better word, just to, you know, gets my brain going and uh, I hope it helps Uh, Some of you to pick up something that you didn't know about the game. Those little tidbits, if you will. Blue Jackets back in action tomorrow night. Seth Jones makes his return to Nationwide Arena. Blue Jackets haven't had a chance to see the Chicago Blackhawks yet this year. As uh, the last game that was scheduled between the two of them got postponed in Chicago a couple of weeks ago. So the Blue Jackets will see the Chicago Blackhawks. For the very first time, Chicago 12-18-5 as of today. Uh, that's their record. They have struggled. They've gotten better. They, they fired the coach there. They had, uh, you know, they had a lot of things going on early in the year. They have a new general manager. They have a new coach. And uh, maybe they have a new attitude. I don't know. But they're coming in here. And the Blue Jackets would like to, uh, would like to get a win on home ice. And I, I kind of just chuckled there to myself because for the Blue Jackets, this is a uh, – it's a catch-22 thing. Uh, if you beat the Blackhawks, that's good because you want to keep them down in the standings. And Well, that's better than if you lose. But even if you do lose, when I was talking earlier about looking ahead to the next draft, remember the Blue Jackets have the Blackhawks' first-round pick in this upcoming draft. Now, it is uh, protected. What is it, top three protected? I believe it is top two or top three protected. And in case you're wondering, and it's a long ways away before uh, this season ends, but right now uh, the Blue Jackets are 23rd overall in the standings and the Chicago Blackhawks are 26th overall in the standings. So, again, that's going to come into play, but not for a number of months. But here's the thing. As I was just alluding to, if Chicago has just a terrible, awful season the rest of the way, that would be good. That would be really good for the Blue Jackets. That game is tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 on the Blue Jackets Radio Network and on Bally Sports Ohio. So hope you'll uh, join us either on radio or TV or come out to the arena for that one between the Blue Jackets and the Chicago Blackhawks tomorrow night. That's going to do it for this Monday mailbag edition of CBJ and 30. It's been presented by Telhio Credit Union. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.